It's time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitt Madness. And here he goes. He's been winning championships. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games, all across the Mitten State. That's not something to play with. Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Welcome in to Mitten Madness, 95.3 WBCK. I'm Jacob Harrison, the brand manager of 95.3 WBCK. That is Dejan Hughes. He's the brand manager of the block, 1025 and 104.9 there in Battle Creek. We've got a lot to get into. We actually just had breaking news right before we hit the record button. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk Lions, Thanksgiving stuff, you know, the drill. All sports, all Mitten, all here. DJ. How's it going, man? Well, based off the breaking news, I might not, <laughs> might not be doing so great. Um, but fantasy's going well. The Packers will lose this week and next week. So I'm feeling pretty good, which means my fantasy team should win both of those weeks. Um, and then, you know, Michigan basketball is on top of the world. 3-0 and should be ranked, but that's a conversation for a little bit later. I'm feeling good. I bought 2K. I got a new car. Like, dude. Life is on the up life's and up good. right now. Life's good. Yeah, no, same. Uh, life's, life's good. Heading into the holidays on an upswing. That's what you want to do. Lions are heading into the holidays on an upswing. Um, they just had a really big win on the road in a shootout where Keenan Allen caught like a hundred balls for a thousand yards and Justin Herbert looked like the Justin Herbert that you expect to see week in and week out. Thankfully, the Los Angeles Chargers defense isn't as good as it is talented, which is a weird thing to say because they've got elite pieces at each level of the of the defense. Nonetheless, they gave up a gazillion points to the Lions, uh, all exaggerating out the window. The Lions were able to run the ball at will. Jared Goff obviously uh, was able to find Oman Ross St. Brown just as often as Herbert did Keenan Allen. And a shootout victory for the Lions brings them to 7-2. and two. And now, heading into this week with the Chicago with the Chicago Bears, who are likely to have Justin Fields back for that football game. The Bears are. Th- Mitten Madness, 95.3 WBCK. Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. And we've got plenty to talk about when it comes to the Michigan Wolverines. And that is the fact that the Michigan, this happened right before we started recording. So there could be further uh, information, you know, released before the show actually airs on Saturday morning and Saturday night. Um but Michigan has announced linebackers coach Chris Partridge has been fired. No reason given. Rick Minter, the father of defensive coordinator Jesse Minter and a longtime college coach, will serve as linebackers coach going forward. There are some uh there there is some reason to believe that maybe this does say a little bit more about the direction things are going for Michigan in their investigations. Um Ross Dellinger from uh I believe uh, Yahoo Sports um, 
Michigan leaders were presented new evidence this week in the NCAA's investigation into its advanced scouting scheme. The materials presumably have altered its approach. UM dropped the legal action versus the Big Ten and now today has fired linebackers coach Chris Partridge. Obviously, a couple days ago, um, Jim Harbaugh accepted the three-game suspension. But on the whole, the 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 program has really kind of fought against these allegations, and and we've kind of been in defense of them as well. I'm sure there's you know there's plenty of people in the area probably strongly disagree with our our standpoint on the whole thing. Now we can have our standpoint, and then possibly it change based off of the evidence that maybe does come out. Uh, but even still, the ethics of the entire thing kind of is what it is. Everybody does this in some form of fashion. It, the whole thing is just kind of weird. Nonetheless, does uh, you, the, the resident Michigan fan of this show, DJ, do you uh, y- you shake a little bit with this this kind of news that, that the, another person on the personnel team has been fired as a result of these investigations? No, not really. Um because the way I've been looking at it is I'm in zero control of this situation as a fan. There was nothing I could do about this situation as a fan. And I'm learning everything the same way that everybody else is learning it through socials and through everybody else and through news outlets. So I can let all these fans that are against us say whatever they want and let them run with whatever narratives they want. And I'm not going to try and combat that because that makes me look crazy if it comes out that they are doing this stuff. I'm just going along my heartful lines as a as a Michigan fan saying and hoping that they did not do this. But knowing there's a big possibility that this could turn out to be awful for the University of Michigan. But there's nothing I can do to control that. So I'm rolling with the punches (laughs) as they come out. And I'm not so therefore I'm not no one can say I said something and then walked back on it. Right. I it just to me I have no concern because so far there's still been zero connection to Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And that's the main thing here is did the head coach now. Well, I think and a lot of Michigan fans kind of take that stance of, yeah, something happened, but how much did Jim Harbaugh know? And there's a lot of evidence that kind of, I mean, just evidence on social media that kind of points to the, the fact that Jim Harbaugh probably did know. Um, and now the accepting of the, the suspension and a, a, a yet another firing uh, from the staff does kind of seem to insinuate that something may have happened and you and i we can only react to the information that we have and it's our job to react uh it's not my favorite thing to react to things before all of the information is out but still at the end of the day the there there's still things that favor michigan in this you know with the the documents that we talked about last week that that showed that other teams you know were conspiring against michigan in some kind of way and those types of things I feel like this is just a revelation of of just how dirty college sports is in general. And again, I mentioned this last week, it all falls back really to the NCAA and the fact that there's no structure in this. You know, there's no way to to keep tabs on everybody because the NCAA is not a strong enough institution. Nonetheless, I mean, Michigan's still got to play football and they've still got to, you know, credit to them for the way they handled the Penn State game in Happy Valley and, and to... To go into Beaver Stadium and win that game where, you know, Penn State's defense is is no joke. Penn State's defense is 
pretty solid. It's their offense that's a problem, and that's why they fired their offense coordinator after the game. Drew Aller is still young, and he's learning. Uh, but Penn State traditionally is just that team that, that kind of just gives you a hard time. But they, they themselves struggle to win the big one. But still, credit where it's due for Michigan on late notice to go into that game without Jim Harbaugh and win it. Now you've got to play Maryland, who is a team that can uh, can surprise you a little bit, but maybe isn't built to win these kind of games either. And then prepare for Ohio State on the the weekend of Thanksgiving and determine whether or not you can go to the Big Ten Championship, whether or not you can go to the playoff. And a lot of that, that is a lot of pressure to put on this team, especially these next two weeks, without their head coach. And within those two weeks, how things changed based off of the investigations and how they're progressing. And these players, you know, they're going to defend their coach. They're going to defend their own pride and their own honor as they showed against Penn State. But they're really in a predicament here where they're playing good enough football to go win it all. And I've mentioned this in the past. The timing of all of this makes it very difficult, but like it still would be a shame if any of this impacts what these players are doing because all they can do is play on the field. That's all players can do. What, whatever administration does, it, it, it isn't like the players themselves are doing it. So the players are playing good enough to, to win these games and to be in the national spotlight, be in a position to make the college football playoff and potentially win the whole thing for the first time in, in honestly way too long for Michigan history, they're getting caught, kind of caught in the crossfires here. And I, that's the part that, that kind of irks me. Um, but still, there's two very important regular season games to go before we find a lot of this out. I don't think it's as big of a deal as some people are making it, to be honest. Like, We've seen this team play four games now this year without their head coach. Four. They won three of them in very convincing fashion and then decided to just dominate in the fourth one in in a message. I don't think this team has any concerns in playing without their head coach. I don't think it matters for them. And, And will it suck to not have Jim Harbaugh there when they hit a thousand wins? Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to suck to not have Jim Harbaugh there if they go ahead and beat Ohio State again? Yeah. But they're fine with that if they get to have him in the in the championship game in the college football playoff. That's fine. If they don't, I think they're still going to go out there and play business cuz at the end of the day, those kids are there to play football and go to school. That's like that's what they're doing. Whether that head coach is there or not, they're there to play football and go to school. And that's what they're going to continue to do. And some of those guys came back for the sole reason of winning a championship. I don't think they came back to win a championship for Jim Harbaugh. They came back to win a championship for themselves. Jim Harbaugh is just an additive of that. Like, oh, yeah, we won this for our coach, too. But those guys are going to go after they leave. They win a national championship. They're going to go around and say, I won a national championship for the University of Michigan. I was a running back who ran for blah, blah, blah in the national championship game. Not Jim Harbaugh. I, me, we. So that completely changes so much in terms of how other teams may look at this and how other fan bases may look at this. Not having your head coach is a detriment. For this team, it's not because they're truly built on a brotherhood and playing for each other. You see it week in and week out. I think you you brought up a point with the 1,000th victory. 
in about an hour and a half as people are listening to this Saturday morning uh, or Saturday night, maybe they've already done it. But in a, Michigan plays at Maryland today to win its unprecedented 1,000th win in college football history. No other team is is really in the ballpark to do that until the next <clears throat> excuse me until the next four or five years I think is when Alabama and Ohio State will both be creeping up on that number um that's really what the storyline of this game should be is Michigan going in to win its 1000th game and then set up to play Ohio State right there, it's a shame that all of this is getting covered up and again pointing to hypotheticals and things that could happen if games are vacated Michigan may not get the opportunity to be the first team to properly celebrate, you know, or the celebration that that could happen on Saturday with the victory over the Terrapins that could get wiped away if if any of these wins are vacated. Now, I, I'm not so sure that you could vacate the wins over Penn State and Maryland specifically because of the investigation going on and obviously whatever Michigan's being accused of, they've stopped it now. Uh, you know, and they're still winning. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, that would put a tremendous damper on the history of Michigan football, which is one of the most, you know, top three or four storied programs in all of college football would be a true shame. Oh, absolutely. But I, I'm not going to worry about it for now. Just going to let it, let it see if it happens let and it then worry about it. Yeah. yeah. We'll worry about it when it comes <laughs> around, but Hey, I do not want to forget about that little brother team up in the, the the southwest of us and are sorry northwest wow i'm really geography my, yeah really bad today um michigan state they're playing indiana this weekend hey a chance for a fourth win another chance for them to win three and seven i they got to come out and ball that, that that's all i can say they got to come out and ball hey whoever's the head coach next year would would probably greatly appreciate it if they could win more than one conference game that would make things a lot <laughs> easier on him but i don't know indiana indiana's fighting for more than one conference game too they're both one and six three and seven walking into this game like this is about as even as it's going to get for michigan state so that that is not a situation anybody in East Lansing wants to wants to hear at all. Fun game though. They're they're gonna play at Ford Field against uh Penn State. That's next week. Yeah. Hey heck of a lineup Thanksgiving Day for Detroit and Michigan sports fans. Uh we'll talk some basketball, also catch up on what's going on with Red Wings and Pistons next here on Mitten Madness ninety five point three WBCK Detroit sports fans, Wolverines and Spartans alike. This is your sports show, Mitten Madness, with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK. Here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK, we got a few things to, to run through, so this is going to be a, a, I don't know, a quick fire segment. We probably should come up with some sort of segment to really kind of do this in a proper way. Uh, we'll talk Pistons, Red Wings, as well as Wolverines and Spartan basketball here. So, gear up. 
because it's also our shortest segment. Uh, the Pistons starting off, man, I can't even count the number of L's. Uh, that they're on in this, uh, losing streak. I guess it would actually be nine because they're two and ten now and, uh, they started one and three. So that's how math works. And nonetheless, I mean, they're still getting some respect around the league. Uh, an ESPN plus article deciding who is the, the best rookies in the NBA so far this season and right below Chet and Wemby is Asar Thompson and Marcus Sasser in that second tier and the way that they're performing. Obviously the Pistons have a lot to look forward to uh, and a winnable schedule over the next couple of week or next couple of days as well with uh, last night with the game against Cleveland. Of course they, uh, oh, excuse me, I misread something on the schedule there. Uh, last night against Cleveland, tomorrow night against Toronto, Denver is a different story obviously, and then they close next week uh, Friday with Indy Indiana on the road so not the easiest thing by any stretch I mean it's the NBA it's, it's all hard but nonetheless Pistons really want to to right the ship here soon and start to cash in on some of that potential that they have I mean I think they're just growing pains man yeah they're growing pains and it'll take them a little bit to figure out but I was talking with one of my homies the other day I finally bought 2k and have been running it up on there and he w- he goes you know, a Sir Thompson is just present day Dennis Rodman, and I do not think he's wrong. Hmm. A Sir plays phenomenal defense, can guard anyone, just about. Like, size is the only thing he gives up. And he's strong. He rebounds like crazy. He doesn't try and score a bunch, but it will put you on a poster. It's just very smart basketball wise, does his own thing, fits in, but doesn't. Like, he, he might. Just be the present day Dennis Rodman. And I love that for the Pistons. I think he's a great addition to the team. Marcus Sasser has come in and helped the second unit so that they can continue to pace along the first unit. Hopefully Jay Nivey is able to eventually get back into the rotation on a consistent basis. At this point, they've started a free him campaign on on socials they're, they're literally they're saying free ivy on socials it's bananas but i'm i'm here for it man pistons fans are going to go through it this year it's going to be a tough one but this team has so many bright spots and it's only going to get better when it comes to the red wings uh things have kind of cooled off a little bit for them over the past couple of weeks they're now eight and five and three though uh those overtime losses dj you mentioned them last week that's how they needed to start losing and since we last talked they are w- one and Two, uh, but both of those losses were in overtime to the Senators and the Canadiens. Uh, as we're recording today, they've got, uh, I think, an exciting matchup with the Toronto Maple Leafs. On Wednesday, they got New Jersey. Friday is, I believe, it's one of their last two meetings with Boston. That one's in Boston as well. Uh, so interesting stretch here upcoming for the Red Wings. They, they're still top five. I mean, they're number five, but top five in team, uh, goals per game. They're still a team to pay attention to. I don't think, uh, I don't want to sound too negative. I feel like I'm starting to go in that direction. They're still a very exciting team. They're number three in the division. There's still plenty to be excited about. Uh, and if you're going to lose, lose in overtime, but also also, I don't know, let's stack up a couple more W's too, right? Yeah, I mean, once they really are able to start getting W's on the board and not go to overtime, not lose overtime, 
Um, they're going to really start to rack up points. Like they're right there. The fact that they're still pacing in the top five and goal scoring in the league is huge. They just have to get the defense there, make sure they're not turning the puck over in the neutral zone, protecting, you know, uh, the house, getting guys there in front and, and clearing that space out, getting pucks to the net, tipping, uh, tipping pucks out in front. Great forecheck, back check is important, et cetera. You'd be surprised, actually, how much I know about hockey. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, they're they're on the cusp. And I think yesterday's game, as you know, you guys are listening to this on Saturday. We're recording on Friday. That game against the Maple Leafs could be a, a leaf turner. Uh, see what I did there, but um, for for this uh, this Red Wings team, and if they're able to beat the Leafs, they might be able to really push and and make a couple games roll into another and if they got good momentum headed into boston they might be able to pull that one out too let's uh shift gears now to college basketball starting with the spartans michigan state obviously uh they started ranked very high you know in the top 10 now they're number 18 after a loss to duke uh they also lost james madison who's the team that's going to be uh a rather loud team overall. The one win over Southern Indiana, you don't shake anything about that. As we're talking today, obviously Friday they play Butler. That's not the easiest of tasks, but it is still a winnable game for the Spartans. Alcorn State uh, on Saturday, or excuse me, on Sunday, tomorrow. Um, but then on Thanksgiving, the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, that is another real true test um, that one's on a neutral site, but it's also like you, you hate to say it's a must win at that point, but with the shaky showing that we've seen from Michigan State so far in their non-conference schedule, I, you would like to see one of the teams that is at the you know forefront of the nation in college basketball really contend against a team like Arizona and show that they're going to be a problem, not just through their conference, which they're expected to be, but also once the postseason does arrive and Michigan State is involved in that, that they are still a problem. Uh, just looking at that upcoming slate, what do you see for the Spartans, DJ? Um, really just... You got to take care of business against Butler, which was yesterday. I, we'll, we'll get a chance to see if they actually do that. Uh, Arizona is the big one here out of their next, like, eight games. You have to at least lose this game. If you're going to lose, you have to lose by five or less. And if you're going to win, just win. Like, that's the thing they have to show up in that game. That's the last game they really have to help them with seeding purposes when it comes around to the NCAA tournament. They're going to be in it. They're going to be in it because the Big Ten is not as strong as it's been in the past. There aren't five, six ranked teams in the Big Ten like there have been in the past. There's three. Michigan State's one of them. So they're they're in a good space there. They also have to take care of business against Baylor uh, on December 16th. But once again, they're only 15 right now. There's no guarantee that Baylor will even be ranked when Michigan State gets around to them. So they just got to continue to take care of business. And Arizona is the big one. They, they got coming up. For the Wolverines, things a little bit more tame for them. No uh, top five matchups, really no ranked matchups uh, until very deep in the season as things stand now. Uh, they don't play a ranked team for the rest of 2023, actually. 
um, again, as things are standing now. They've got Memphis in a few days. That's not the, the easiest trek. Um, Oregon after that, a little preview of when the Ducks come to the Big Ten, and then they'll start with some uh, conference games against Indiana and Iowa in the start of December. But you you think there's plenty of reason here to be excited about Michigan because of how they're performing against so far in their non-conference, especially without uh, Dickinson this year. I mean, I love the way the team looks. The offense is flowing. Defense is flying around. They enjoy being around each other. They're talking, and they're winning games. They're winning games. That's the important thing in, in all of this is they're trending in a great direction for this basketball season. And if they're able to continue along the trend that they've been, they're going to be looking really good and, and should soon be ranked. I think they should be ranked now based off of how they've played. But I understand the resume doesn't necessarily afford that. So pretty soon they should be ranked if they keep up this kind of play. And and I'm really excited for another Michigan basketball season. Oh, I feel like coming out of that Indiana game, maybe the Iowa game. If you're six and zero or seven and zero at that point, I think you're definitely ranked uh, in the top twenty at least. Um, uh, you know, I would anticipate Iowa probably being a little bit better at that point too. So just based off of name recognition. But next week for Thanksgiving, for the first time in ten years, the Detroit Lions will play the Green Bay Packers. This sets up an opportunity where the Lions can start the season 9-2, and two, which they have only done four other times in the history of the franchise. Remember, this is year 90. In 1931, they didn't make the championship game. There were no playoffs back then. 1953, they won the NFL championship. In 1956, they missed the playoffs. In night tiebreakers were really weird back then. <laughs> really weird. 1962, they started 9 and 2, finished 11 and 3 and missed the playoffs. This year, DJ, I think he told me before the show, one of three teams with two or fewer losses and the other two played in the Super Bowl last year and yes. play this Monday. That that's some elite company for the Detroit Lions, especially coming off of such a big win on the road. Oh, absolutely. They're looking to coast right into the playoffs like they win these two games, no way do the Lions miss the playoffs. Honestly, I don't see the Lions losing what? That would be eight straight games or seven straight games. Whatever, seven. Well, and, it doesn't put them at nine and eight, which is what would have them in a case where they would possibly miss the playoffs. Right. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. The Lions, because they also still have one to three more divisional games, which they probably will not lose after this week. They still have to play the Bears again, and then they have to play the Vikings twice within the end of this season. The Vikings game looks a lot different. It looks a lot different <laughs> now with no Kirk Cousins. Like, but Josh Dobbs is sure, balling. He, he, but I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to call that real. He's been doing it all year. But is he just, Arizona just didn't have the talent to win. I'm, but like all I'm saying is, is Josh Dobbs a good quarterback or is he just being put in good scenarios? Which I like, that's, I'm not saying. <laughs> is there a worse scenario than playing an NFL game with a team three days after you joined their franchise? <laughs> hey, but if they're, if the coaching staff is, it, this is more like a coaching staff thing. Like I'm not uh, taking away his skill point, but like I don't think, like a lot of people are lofting him up yeah. too quick. And that's my thing is like. The Vikings have incredible coaches. He's not playing really good football. He's just getting put in positions where it's one read and the read is open. Or it's, hey, if the read isn't open, tuck it and run. Like, 
Which is bizarre because he's down to his like fourth receiver, second tight end. I mean, Hawkinson's yeah, banged but they, up. But I think they all understand the scenario they're in. Either you get open or this dude's going to get crushed. So <laughs> get open. And, and if he's not open, he just tucks it and runs or, or he throws it away. Like they're making it very simple for him, which then allows you to play a lot looser and, and honestly be more productive because you're not complaining or complaining. You're not as as uh what's the word I'm looking for there isn't so much going on up here not frazzled you know what I'm saying yeah. yeah you're not frantic it's just boom this is my one read okay Jordan Addison isn't open I'm tucking it over here and I'm running it, it makes it a lot easier to just produce because you know exactly what you have to do or what you can't do when it comes to the Lions and the Bears, uh, Bears kind of operate the same way, especially with Justin Fields. It's, it's a simple offense. If his first read isn't open, which is usually DJ Moore, uh, if, if not DJ Moore, it's Cole Komet, then Justin Fields is tucking in and running it. And that's when he can be the most dangerous. Uh, the Lions, as most teams do in the NFL, I mean, we watched the, the Bengals last, last night for us. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson ran all over him. With the Bears and the Lions, Lions not the the most sound when it comes to handling those scrambling quarterbacks. One of Justin Fields, you know, big, you know, first big games was at home against the Lions and, and running for over a hundred yards with some long touchdowns. This time around, though, it feels like the Lions are more aware of of who they are and what their identity is. Plus, they're at home in this matchup. The Lions are. Are cruising as as we mentioned. So while yes, any given Sunday in the NFL, I feel like we can we can kind of look ahead to the Thanksgiving matchup with your Packers, and you feel like the Packers are going to be on a two game skid. Which after the loss to my Steelers, I think would make some un- make some understanding there because the Packers actually played really well in Pittsburgh and still came out with a loss. And now they've they've got a tough stretch here that ends with the Lions on Thanksgiving which is a tough environment to play in given the circumstances where the Lions can already have a winning record with a win in that game, plus they're at home on Thanksgiving with a real chance to be something special, which makes that environment very, very hostile for Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay, listen. (laughs) As a Packers fan. He's already in Surrender Cobra, by the way. (laughs) As a Packers fan. We don't stand a chance. <laughs> we don't stand a chance. Our defense has honestly surprised me this year. Like, they were good last year. They lost some names, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. The defense has done its job. And and I shouldn't be surprised because they've been doing that for as long as I've been a fan. The defense knows their job. Keep it close. That's the That's the defense's job when you play as a Green Bay Packers, to keep the game close. Recently... They've done a great job of that, but our offense cannot score. Jordan Love cannot put points on the board yet. And and I'm not saying he will never be able to, but right now, he's not. The prophecy that I saw before this season started is unfolding right before my eyes. We started off okay. Jordan Love looks good because he did learn under Aaron Rodgers, but he just does not have it yet. I think more okay. of his problem is he's not completing passes. I, I think it's less than 60% of his passes. He has as many touchdown passes as Jared Goff does. Yeah, but when you can't complete them to move down the field, yeah, and Aaron Jones hasn't been Aaron Jones, you're in trouble. 
I think that's the biggest problem for the Packers is look at their injury report right now. Quay Walker, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, Jair Alexander. Yeah. That's four of your top seven players on the roster. On the roster. Not even on the sides <laughs> of the ball. On the roster. Yeah. It's hard to be productive when when your best players are out. I mean, we've seen how much Detroit's secondary struggled just by losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson, right? And we only experienced it for one game, and that was the Kansas City game where, you know, maybe we don't know the most about Kansas City and what their passing attack would look like for the rest of the season. But Detroit's secondary looked really good with C.J. Gardner-Johnson in there, and it hasn't been their strong point at all since he went down with an injury and you know the sooner he comes back the better uh but you know, of course he's still on the ir but i don't know i mean obviously there's no line for that game yet we'll have ample opportunity to break down that game and look forward to what's going on for the detroit lions after that game one thing i think we should definitely touch on while we've got a minute is the rushing attack for the Lions, both David Montgomery or David Montgomery is over 500 yards. He's got 501 on 106 carries. He took back the rushing lead, by the way. Uh, and Jameer Gibbs has well over 400. He's just barely trailing behind. Jameer is averaging better per rush and, and he breaks a lot of tackles and he's the exciting, but I, they've got a true thunder and lightning mix up right here with with one of the best offensive lines in the NFL too. And Jared Goff doesn't have to throw a ton of touchdowns. He's just got to find 14 every once in a while to convert a long third down. And, and this team is operating at peak efficiency, I think in a lot of ways. And it starts with the ground game. I'm glad you brought that up and it sucks that we're running out of time in this segment. Um, but that's okay because I only have one thing to say about it. And that's, this is a revenge game this week and watch out for David Montgomery. That's it. I really hope you said if you got Montgomery on your fantasy team, start him. Yes. (laughs) I'm still going to start Jameer and I hope he gets his touches because he should. But David Montgomery is going to be insane this week. That'll do it for the Lions segment. Again, we'll have plenty of opportunity to talk about the Packers game after Thanksgiving. Big Bears game as well. That Packers game, by the way. Going to air here on WBCK, so stay tuned and uh, keep paying attention around here, and we'll uh, keep doing some fun things. Plenty more to talk about, including the Wolverines and a lot of aspects. Uh, some of that breaking news that we just experienced, you probably already know a little bit more about it than we do. We'll talk about it next here on Midden Madness, 95.3 WBCK. 95.3 WBCK. Back here on 95.3 WBCK, it's Mitten Madness, Jacob Harrison and Dejan Hughes. Want to let you know real quick, obviously, if you're listening to uh, us in the morning on Saturday, and just a little bit is going to be the pregame for Michigan and Maryland. Next week, two hours of Mitten Madness. DJ and I will be uh, previewing up to Michigan versus Ohio State. Pregame for that will obviously kick off at uh, 11 a.m. then as well, but we'll have two hours to talk all things Michigan sports. There's plenty going on. 
on. I mean, I've got an article on BCK where it's from Wednesday to the next Monday of just Michigan sports, high school football, uh, college basketball, every professional team that is in season right now will be on the slate. There's a lot, a lot going on. Uh, so we'll have the opportunity to talk about a great deal, many of it over two hours next week, starting at 9 a.m. This week, we've still got our picks to do. So DJ, update the folks on the standings and uh, hopefully I'm not as far back as I think I am. Last week, you came in at four and two. I came in at five and one, putting you at 45 and 21 and I'm up to 48 and 18. So you're three games back. Ouch. Man, I was, I was climbing back and now it's, uh, that, that does not bode well. I'm, I'm, I'm like the, the old guy with the, the fishing hook and that commercial with the dollar. Yeah, you got it. I'm letting you get close. Just. Keep yanking it away. You gotta be quiet right in the that. last minute. Well, we've got some fun games on the, the docket this week, and I think we might be a little bit more split throughout. So, uh, hopefully if that's the case, hopefully I come out a little bit better than I have in previous weeks. First one up, I think is a really fun one. And, uh, honestly, I think it's one I might check out tomorrow night in the college football realm. Not a lot of good college football games, mind you. It's the week before rivalry week. Not a lot of teams are playing anybody. Uh, Washington, though, the number five team in the land and a team that not a lot of people are true believers in, even if they think Michael Penix is the favorite and is likely to win the Heisman Trophy, they're heading out to Corvallis, Oregon to take on the number 11 Oregon State Beavers led by their quarterback DJ Uyangale. Yes, that was just an excuse to prove I could say his name. Oregon State is a one point favorite. Is the Pac-12 DJ, are they going to do it again? Are they going to screw themselves out of a playoff game again by the higher un- the higher ranked undefeated team, favorite to win it win the entire conference, losing one to a two-loss team with no business being so dramatic at this point in the season against its conference. Huskies, Beavers, DJ, who wins? I like UW to win this game. Uh, I, I I really think Michael Penix has done so well. This team has fought through a lot of adversity over uh, COVID and everything with where that program was. I've seen a feature on that through ESPN. It was pretty solid. So I, I really believe that this UW team will do what it needs to do to get Pac-12 another uh, team into the playoff that is not Oregon. Uh, Well, Washington was the other team to do that. Oh well, it's been, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm with you. I think uh, Washington. I watched them last week against Utah, and they proved a lot. Now the game should have been sealed on that interception. Young man, don't drop the ball at the two yard line. But nonetheless, to to win that game against Utah, because that was the that was the environment that Utah upends this conference in every year on the road. Teams much better than them. Utah's banged up, not performing as well as they'd like to, and then they come out and they find a way to win that tight of a game because the team they're playing hadn't been tested yet. Washington, they've been tested and I think they're strong enough now and they realize they're good enough to take down Oregon State who is uh, you know, they're fourth in, in the conference and they've been a fun team but they're not they're not at that point. I think Washington is ready to seal this thing up and go to the college football playoff. Keeping it inside of the college realm for this next game. K-State taking on Kansas. A rivalry not in rivalry week. K-State and Kansas both ranked this year. K-State coming in at 20 Kansas coming in at 25. Who wins this ranked matchup? The only ranked matchup in all of football this weekend besides the one we just talked about. Uh, also Tennessee. Uh, that don't count. Georgia. Too low. Tennessee, Georgia. Too low. 18. That's higher than both of these teams. Shh. SEC. SEC. We don't want to talk about them. Right. Um, Kansas <laughs> State is a nine and a half point favorite. Big win last week over Baylor. Just lost to Texas uh, by three in overtime. Really could have beaten the Longhorns there. Uh, 
shutout win over Houston, 41 to 3 win over TCU. You know, I like Kansas. They're a fun team. Um, but I'm not picking Kansas State just because, uh, Meatball would be proud that I did, but it's because Kansas State is a better football team. Give me the Wildcats. I'm also taking the Wildcats just looking at their last five dominating fashion. 38-21 over Texas Tech. 41-3 over TCU. 41-0 over Houston. Lost by three to Texas. And then 59-25 against Baylor. Like this team is rolling right now. And I don't expect a good Kansas team this year to stop Kansas State. My next game is uh, one that is that is going to hurt my heart, I think. Um, you, you and I both know I have a, uh, a futures bet on some division winners. And there's one team standing between me and winning that bet and that is the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> the Bills are 5 and 5 and they're playing the team that they lost to first on opening week, the New York Jets who have looked like dog water in a lot of ways. They're 4 and 5 and they're I don't know what's in the Kool-Aid, specifically Aaron Rodgers' Kool-Aid, but there's a lot of people believing that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back in about a month, mid-December. And if New York is in a position to go to the playoffs or win this division, that probably only strengthens those ideologies. I I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I just know that I am not just picking the Bills because I think they're the better football team and it's because it's, it's high time that they actually get on track, but also because I just really need them to. I'm, I'm taking the Bills at home. So, <laughs> as an Aaron Rodgers fan, I pray to Jesus himself that Aaron Rodgers does not come back too early. He needs to just sit, just sit the season. It's okay. You're getting paid. It's okay. He's too much of a competitor, like, dude. I, I know, right? I really hope he just sits, but in in all actuality, I'm taking the Bills, but not for the same reason that you're taking them. I understand your tiredness. <laughs> that right there is why I don't sports bet. <laughs> but I, it's more than overdue for this Bills offense, especially after what they put out last weekend. It's it's really time for them to make something happen. Josh Allen turned the ball over way too many times last week, and now people are starting to have the, is this not a coaching conversation? Is this a Josh Allen conversation? And I think that's starting to get to him, and the only way for him to dispel that is to come out and ball. So I'm expecting him to come out and do that. My next game, you know I had to do it. Six and three, two teams in the AFC North. And obviously two of them played Thursday night. So you know the other two I'm talking about. Steelers, Browns, who you got? Uh, well, the Browns, they've lost to Sean Watson for the season. And they're starting Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And uh, the last time he played an AFC North rival in the Baltimore Ravens, who have the best defense in the AFC North, uh, he looked like a rookie. And now he's going to play the second best defense in the AFC North. Um, and yeah, that that's counting the Cleveland Browns. Um, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are, uh, they're, they're too lucky for their own good. I mean, the dumb luck to play Dorian Thompson-Robinson this week and potentially Jake Browning next week against the Bengals and possibly lock up the division. Get out of here. Are you, what is the NFL that the Steelers could go 5-1 and one in this division and potentially have more than 11 wins on the year because of this dumb luck? You're going to have me thinking things are possible when they're really not. But yeah, the Steelers are going to win the game. I agree with you. I think the Steelers are going to win the game. Uh, most Mostly because I don't trust the offense uh, for the Browns more so now without Deshaun Watson than I did before. Their defense is going to make this a compelling game because that's what they've been doing all year. And their defense is the reason why they're six and three and will probably sneak into the playoffs this year because they're just that good defensively. But I do not think they have enough to win this game with what will be definite offensive problems. What's your last game of the week, sir? Uh, it's the last game of the week. It is the Super Bowl rematch at Arrowhead. The 
eight and one Philadelphia Eagles and the seven and two Kansas City Chiefs, the two best records in all of the NFL, barring the also seven and two Detroit Lions, who should move to eight and two this week with a game over the Bears. This is a a fun game. Obviously, it's the Kelsey Bowl all over again. Uh, DeAndre Swift will be in attendance, running the football for the Philadelphia Eagles. We anticipate, of course, Taylor Swift will be in attendance, and some people are going to hate that. Some people are going to love that. Some people aren't going to care. They're going to watch a really good football game where the Chiefs are only a two and a half point favorite. Hurts is healthy. Mahomes is healthy. Who's going to win the game though? Monday night football, Chiefs, Eagles. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so plugged into this game for the reason you just mentioned, Taylor Swift. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to cap with you. I'm Because my Twitter feed is going to be full of people from the Philadelphia area wondering what Taylor's going to do. Is she going to show up in a split jersey? Is she going to show up in a Travis jersey? Is she going to show up in an Eagles jersey? Is she going to show up in nothing and just cheer for both teams. Maybe she's going to tell Travis to F off and she's just going to cheer for the Eagles. Like, I'm so excited to find out what Taylor Swift decides to do in terms of cheering in this game while she's up in the box with Donna Kelsey. I'm so pumped for it, but I know that the Eagles will be the ones walking off of the field with a W this weekend. I think they just have a more complete team than the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs are figuring out how to win games consistently. I really think the Eagles have figured that out, even though Jalen Hurts hasn't played his best football yet. Yeah, we've got no confirmation on whether or not Taylor is going to be at the game, and I promise, I'm, I'm, I promise, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I, I promise, I'm, I'm the, going somewhere I'm with the this. confirmation. Um, Travis Kelsey plays really well when, when old Taylor is in the, uh, in the booth. I anticipate she'll be there as well. I also know that the, the Chiefs, they're really good in prime time. I know they lost the Lions week one. Uh, that was, that was very circumstantial though. I think what we saw against Denver was a fluke. I think Miami was very influenced by the fact that that game was in Germany. I think the Chiefs are ready to hit their stride now, and I think the Chiefs know good and well that they can beat the Eagles. Plus, they have the home field advantage in prime time. Give me the Chiefs and the two and a half points. I think the Chiefs win this one a little bit more comfortably than than people might expect. I'm talking like six or seven points. Uh, but I do think the Chiefs will win. Well, interesting choice. Last game of the week coming from yours truly. Two teams that have had very interesting seasons. The Broncos very underwhelming to a lot of people. The Vikings have somehow come out on top in games that a lot of people feel like they shouldn't have. The six and four Vikings against the four and five Broncos. Does Josh Dobbs come out with another W, or is Denver, or is Denver and, and Russell Wilson going to ride? Are, are they going to have the Who play at halftime? Because who the hell are both of these teams, and and who do they think they are to be playing Sunday night football at this point with the way that their season started? And now both of these teams are riding huge winning streaks. I three is a lot for Bron for the Broncos. Trust me. Uh, look, I, I'm going to pick the Vikings because of Josh Dobbs and because Hawkinson has been playing really well and because I'm a believer in their defense and I'm not sold on the Broncos yet, but good lord. The fact that both of these teams are going to be entertaining on Sunday night is mind-boggling. Neither of them have any business, any right, and honestly, I, I hope that it turns into the rock fight that it should be <laughs> because this should be an awful game. So hopefully the Vikings win it. <laughs> I'm along the lines of you. I think the Vikings are going to win this game because I just don't trust Russell Wilson anymore. Like He hasn't shown me that he's worth trusting even in this three-game win streak. It's been tough for him in some of these games. He's not turning the ball so, over like he did last he's year. He's not turning it over, but he's not producing. So I, I, I don't care. <laughs> Honestly. Um. So just to recap, we both taken UW, K-State, Bills, the Steelers, and the Vikings. I will take the Eagles to win Monday Night Football, and you think the Swifties and the Chiefs will handle business on Monday night. Yeah, just not DeAndre Swift. I, didn't I, say, I, I love that, by the way. The I fact that, that we get that they Swift and the Kelsey on one side and Swift and Kelsey on the other side. It really works out. Uh, the I'm sure the, the broadcasters are going to love that. Taylor better on show Monday up night football. 
Eagles jersey. So you better show up in an Eagles jersey. I just, you know, I'm good with like three cutaways and then, and then we're done with it. Coming up is pregame for Michigan and Maryland. Join us next week at 9 a.m. for a two hour edition of Mitten Madness as we lead into Michigan and Ohio State. The game. They're both anticipated to be undefeated. Till then, we'll see you later. Take it easy. Join Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitten Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitten Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.